Yeah, good to see you all here today. Today, how are we doing on our visuals back there? We think we got anything going? All right, put our photo back on up there. We had some other audio for you, but uh, we were just having all sorts of trouble getting it to to working here. Anybody know what this is? <laughs> that is Voyager One. You may not recognize it right off the bat. Voyager One was launched September fifth, nineteen seventy seven. It is still going today. It is expected to continue sending back data until the year 2025. What do you think powers it? Now, for a lot of folks, we, we think about the things in space and we generally think solar, solar power, except that this thing is going away from the sun. Its, it's uh, initial mission was actually part of the Mariner series. It was initially called Mariner 11. But because uh, they had some cost cutbacks, they scaled back what it was going to do. And it became a, uh, such a different mission from what the other ones were, they called it Voyager 1. And so they tacked on a, a, uh, an opportunity. In fact, I was told that the scientists who put this together were said, we're scaling this back. We just wanted to probe Jupiter and Saturn, do a little flyby and see what's going on, and then just send it out to space and you know we'll, we'll let it work for a few years after that and That'll be about it. And they said, okay, okay, we'll do that. But in the back of the mind, it says, no, we're going to keep this thing going. And so they worked this thing out so that it continued to go on. And the expected lifespan of this Voyager will be close to 50 years. Now, what do you think that we have that on this small little satellite we could put that would power this thing for over 50, for around 50 years? <laughs> what is it that we could possibly put upon this thing? And so what this is powered by is a substance called plutonium-238. Anybody ever heard of plutonium-238? Plutonium-238 is a throwaway. It is actually manufactured. Uh, it's a byproduct of the manufacturing of nuclear power or nuclear weapons. Back in the Cold War when we were making nuclear weapons fairly rapidly, a byproduct of it was plutonium-238. It was a waste product. But they found out that they could power things with it. In a very small amount of space, the half-life of plutonium-238 is around 77 years. And so they put this thing on here. When, it, when Voyager launched, it was generating 477 watts. They launched this thing. It's still sending us back data today. Right now, what it's doing, it is just now reaching the area of space that is not influenced by our sun. And we were trying to get... This is the first thing we've ever had go out that far. If you're a Star Trek fan, Next Generation did an entire uh, show on this one. And when they came back, they, they, uh, they were trying to figure out what this, this thing was. It was called V'ger because the middle letters had been erased faded and so that was called V'ger <laughs> and it took us a little while to get watching the show to find out that it came from Voyager but Voyager is, pro- is powered by a product not considered valuable we right now have not been manufacturing plutonium-238 as a byproduct of nuclear weapons because we haven't been making nuclear weapons so what happened was our stockpile of plutonium-238 has dwindled we now have less than 50 pounds. 
And NASA is, is uh, trying to budget what they have left in order to uh, take care of the power for some future missions that they have. But they can't do as many future missions because they only have so much. So we have actually entered into an area, era where we want to not manufacture nuclear weapons, but we want to manufacture plutonium-238. What became a byproduct, or what was seen as a byproduct, a waste product, became something that we sought after. Wisdom is such. For many people, wisdom is something that was cast aside. It wasn't really thought of anything as valuable. But as we go through life and as we get into the Word of God, we find out how valuable wisdom is. And the Word of God says it is the most valuable thing. If you want to power something small like a spacecraft for a very long period of time, plutonium-238 is your best option. It's not something that's just found naturally. We actually have to manufacture it. But what an effect it has. Last week we were looking, we started our series here on wisdom, and we were looking at what wisdom is. We defined knowledge as the accumulation of facts, events, and information. Understanding is the comprehension of how the, the knowledge we have works and or the interpretation of how that knowledge can be applied. The com- understanding is the comprehension of how the knowledge we have works and or the interpretation of how that knowledge can be applied. Definition from all we pulled out online is enlightened intelligence. I love that. Enlightened intelligence. Understanding is enlightened intelligence. It is skill in dealing with or handling something. Knowledge without correct understanding is virtually useless. Wisdom is knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. We said that wisdom knows the end from the beginning. Wisdom can perceive how a thing will play out way back at the beginning of it. That's why wisdom is so valuable. If you could understand how things would play out before you started them, how many of you would have changed the way you would have started some things? How many of your finances would be in, in different, different places? Yeah, jobs, all sorts of things we would change. We summarize it this way. Knowledge is the accumulation. Understanding is the comprehension. And wisdom is the action that we take. We need these things going on in our life. These are things that are important to us. We must hear wisdom. Wisdom is corrective. We said this to you too. If no one can speak correction to you, you are neither wise nor a person of understanding. That comes from the Word of God. We looked at... uh, Uh, Over in Proverbs, chapter 1, 1 through 7. If no one can speak correction to you, you are neither wise nor a person of understanding. So too, if everyone can speak correction to you, you are neither wise nor a person of understanding. It should not be no one. It should not be everyone. A wise man receives, the Word of God tells us, wise counsel. Not just counsel. Wise counsel. So we have to be able to determine what is wise counsel. How many of you went back and listened to Joe McGee's summary of the four types of people? The wise, the simple, the foolish, and the scornful. If you didn't, you still have time. You can go back there and take a look at that. 
In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, we read this before. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. You got to pursue this. You got to go after it. In in Psalms 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Well, it's good to at least be at the beginning. We want to continue to to press on. One thing we must realize is that I do not have all the answers. I myself, you yourselves, we don't have all the answers. We are still growing. We are still gleaning. We are still learning some things. I put this in your outline. Can I correct a path that I am on. How many have ever made a wrong turn on directions? What did we do before the era era of GPS? The GPS can holler out to you, oh, made a wrong turn, recalculating whatever it is that your GPS happens to say. And uh, it'll it'll tell us, okay, make a left-hand turn up here, make a right-hand turn up here, and so forth. And it'll tell you which way to go. Because we have... Eyes in the sky. I put this in your outline. Wise counsel is like eyes in the sky. It's observing where you're going and it and it knows where you want to get to. If you have eyes in the sky, here you are. Here's where you want to get to. The eyes in the sky can tell you turn left, turn right, and they can they can uh, help you out with all that. They can guide you on through what it is that you're doing. Isn't that wonderful? It is a great thing. It is a helpful thing that eyes are out there and, 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 they're, and they're watching you. They're looking out for you. It's, it's so helpful. What did we do be, before we had these things that could watch over us? Now, sometimes, you know, we get in fear about it and, you know, Big Brother's watching over us and watching everything we're doing and, you know, your car logs where it is that you go anymore. You know, people wanted to, they can pull up the log on your car and it'll tell them, you know, you were here and you were there and, and, and so forth and, uh, you know, all those kind of things are, are going on. And, and for some people, it makes them nervous. I guess especially if you have something to hide, it's really going to make you nervous. Some people just don't like that information being out there. It's just not uh, not real pleasant. But sometimes, you know, just getting that, that look-see can, can help you out. How many of you, you know, you wanted to, to go somewhere? And the eyes in the sky helped you out because you, you took a look at your GPS and here's, oh, there's traffic jam up here. And you were able to avoid the traffic jam simply because... You rather tap into something else. But that, that was a GPS giving you instruction. It's saying over here on 476, it's all backed up. Oh, we don't want to go that way. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot better to find out you don't want to go that way until you're in that way. <laughs> when you are stuck in the traffic jam, you can't back up. You can't go forward. You can't go anywhere. You are there. But before you get there, you can help yourself. You can do some things. You can... You can um, Alter and go a different way. You can change things out. You, know, you, can, so you can tell your GPS, reroute me. And it'll give you another, another option of a way to get around it. Because you have somebody up there, a little satellite up there, that's looking over where it is you're going. Isn't that neat that that satellite cares about you? <laughs> Did you ever think about that? That satellite cares about you. It's sending data just for you. This is where you are. This is where you want to go. And this is what the traffic looks like between there. It cares just about you, but your God cares even more. Amen. And he's willing to send information 
and all kinds of ways to do it. He doesn't just have to have your phone or your GPS unit. He has all kinds of different ways that he can send the information and help us out. Because, oh, it, it helps just to know where you are. But we have to receive it. If your GPS is telling you there's a traffic jam up there and you say, I don't believe you. That's probably not a very wise thing to do, is it? Now, maybe it was wrong. But probably better off going around anyway. Wisdom is here to help you out. Get wisdom. Get understanding. You got to go out there and get it. Wise counsel is like eyes in the sky. Now, in order for wise counsel to work in my life, there's five things that must, must happen. First off, I must value it. I must value wise counsel. I must see its value. I must have a value ascribed to it. If, if I don't have a value to a thing, I don't pay attention to it. It's got to have value. First off, we got to value it. If I value it, then I will go and get it. But I got to value it first. Then secondly, we go out there and get it. I got to see that it's valuable and I got to go out there and get it. Some of the kids are in here with us today. Sometimes, you know, we've, there's things you collected as a kid. You guys collect baseball cards? All right. Anything else you collect? Football cards. Football card. Oh, that's even better. I always think of baseball. You collect quarters. All right. Quarters have a value. Well, you, you know, if you collect these kind of cards, there are certain ones that have extreme value. You know, you go out there and get a Babe Ruth uh, rookie card. That probably has some value. When you first got it, you probably could have gotten it very cheap. If you had the foresight to know that he was going to be a star and a sought-after card, then you could have uh, you could have done something with that. But you got to value it. You got to first off have a value for the thing. Understand, wisdom has a value. Value it. Number two, go out there and get it. Three, here's a here's a hard one. After you get it, you got to recognize it. How many people have collected things like baseball cards, football cards? Then they got them. But they didn't recognize what they had. Sometimes people have had old coins come through their pockets. And they didn't recognize what they had. They didn't realize that that penny was worth a couple hundred dollars. They saw it as, they saw it as a penny. A funny looking penny. It's got a funny back on it. It's old. But they didn't see, they, they didn't, recognize it as being valuable. And so when they took it to the store, you know, something came up to $7.06. Oh, I got a nickel and a penny. And they gave that to them and gave them more money in the penny than the thing was worth. But they didn't recognize it. Wisdom will come to you. If you ask for it, God will send it to you. But you must be able to recognize it. You got to value it. You got to get it. You got to recognize it. That is wisdom. A wise man receives what kind of counsel? Wise. I got to recognize it as being wisdom. After that, I got to honor it. I may recognize this as the wisdom of God, but I've got to honor it. I've got to give it honor. I've got to treat it as what it's worth. If I value it, I got to treat it as such. Honor the wisdom when you get it. And, and last, yield to it. If you do not yield to the wisdom when it comes, it will be of no benefit to you. Wisdom is action. You've got to do something with it. Value it, get it, recognize it, honor it, yield to it. Now, wisdom that is sent 
is also correction given. Wisdom that is sent is also correction given. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. When wisdom comes to you, it will come very often in a form of correction. Because wisdom will come in because I am doing something, but then wisdom is going to come in and tell me how to do it better. Do it more correctly. Do it right. Wisdom will come in. I may be doing something, but I may not be doing it necessarily right. Very often Christians look to their diligence as a reason for their success. You can be very diligent and not wise and fail. More important in the Christian walk, more important than diligence is wisdom. If you do it the right way, you will end up spending less time on it because you did it the right way. How many of y'all look back on some things and you say, boy, I wish I could do that now. Oh, I would do so much better. I've talked to people, you know, we've uh, just in the area of training and stuff. I've talked with people about, uh, you know, running and stuff. And I know now, didn't know it then. I know when I was in college, we were foolish. (laughs) I know it now. I can talk about it freely now. I wished I had the correction in college that I I knew because we didn't we didn't know. We just listened to whatever coach said we did. And we were he'd give us an assignment, do this workout, run this way and go this way. And we go out there and we do it. We never never questioned it. All right. We're supposed to run intervals today. We're supposed to run a race tomorrow. We're supposed and we were doing four or five really hard workouts a week. And I, I, I got the impression if we weren't working hard every day, we weren't serious. Well, we've, you know, I've read some things and they've studied some things and they found out, you know, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to run hard two, maybe three times a week, not four or five or six. You got you to gotta kind of cut back on that a little bit. And you would be doing a whole lot better. It'd be wiser. But we didn't know. Coach said, all right, we're going to do this. We went out there and we did it. We received instruction, we received correction, but it wasn't necessarily the best thing. Just because we were diligent at it. And we were diligent, we got out there every day. Got out there every day, worked hard. We're diligent. Christians too often want to look at how diligent they are. And God wants to look at how wise you are. Are you following the wisdom of God? Have you received the wisdom of God? Because the wisdom of God is often corrective. It will correct you. And not always are we in a place to hear that. God may say, pull back on that a little bit. Don't go after it. Don't, don't do that. Brother, uh, Brother Keith, listen to him. And he was uh, talking about he's got a plane. He's got a jet. Wherever he wants to get to, he can get there. He can get there fast. He's got a, not just a plane. He's got a jet. <laughs> Hop in a jet. He can fly the jet. So he don't need to wait for a pilot or nothing. He just gets on the jet and he goes. And sometimes, you know, he's been leaving one meeting. And getting in the jet to go to another meeting. He's supposed to be there. Or he's supposed to be heading home or whatever it is. And he says down in his spirit would come up this thing. Don't go. Now you know when you have a schedule. And you're supposed to be certain places. And you made promises. You made commitments to go here or go there. 
and you get this thing, don't go. How many of y'all know it's really easy to reject that? It's really easy to say, oh, I need to go. <laughs> and so he sometimes, you know, the plane's been out on the, on the, the tarmac. It, it's fueled up. It's started. It's ready to go. And he says, we're not going. What do you mean we're not going? It's all here. We're all ready to go. Just get on and fly. We can be there in an hour. We're not going. And he'd uh, pack it up, put the plane back in the wherever it was, and they'd uh, they head back to where they were. We're not going. He says, I'm not going to be any good to anybody dead. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to learn to listen to that. God wants to help us to avoid some problems, and and we need to listen to it. And so wisdom will come in. It'll be corrective. It'll say, do this. It'll say, don't do that. Go this direction. Don't go this. Get this training. Don't get this training. Go in this it'll be corrective. It'll help us. I've got to recognize that it comes from God and I've got to honor it and say, you know what? If you're saying I shouldn't do that, I'm not going to do it. I'll stay back from that. And oh, it'll go so much better. So much better. Wisdom. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. If he loves you, he's going to correct you. If you're not in the family, he's not going to correct you. He's going to correct those that are his. So if he sends correction to you, glory to God. That means God loves you. Oh, I appreciate that, Father. I would have made a mistake going in that direction. I would have gone there and done that and spent that money or whatever it might be. I would have messed myself up. Thank you. Proverbs 5, verse 11. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. Have you ever been corrected at work? Yeah, we've been corrected at work. How many of us enjoy that? <laughs> we, we don't enjoy being corrected, especially at work. You know, we get embarrassed of the people that are around. This is not a good thing. I've, we, we can hate instruction. It's not a good thing to hate instruction. He says, and you mourn at last. He's talking about one who's pursued a wrong direction. If you want to get into chapter chapter 5 of Proverbs, you can see exactly the wrong direction this person was taking. You mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. We can look at the end after we've already gotten to a place of destruction and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I should have listened I, I needed the instruction. I needed that. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. There are people who are going to be teachers for you. There's going to be people that are instructors for you. You need to listen to them. You need to listen to them. I've shared this story with you before, but back when I was at Ken's Pizza, and I was a, a manager, in manager in training, it was in, just in training at the time, and we had a situation that came up in the city and uh, uh, the newspapers were calling around to find out how it impacted certain businesses. And they called our restaurant. And since I was the manager on duty at the time, the uh, person who answered the phone gave me the phone. And they asked me some questions. And I answered some things. But I didn't give them all the details. But I gave them more details than I should have given them. And so it went into the paper with my name. And so the area general manager, who liked me, <laughs> came on into the restaurant. Said, Steve, come on out here. And he and I, we sat down, we had a chat. He said, is this you? Yes, it was. Did you say these things? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm not, I shouldn't have said that. I, sh- I should have known. And so he says, all right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go in the back room 
where everybody else is, coming in back and forth, and you're going to sit down, you're going to watch that training video again. What, what could I say? Yes, sir. <laughs> Apparently, I need to. I messed up. I didn't, I didn't listen to the thing. So um, I went on back there, and, and, and I listened. We, we need to take instruction. You can't just sit there and say, I know it all. Because you don't. No matter how long you walk on the face of this earth, you do not know it all. Go back to the book of Job. Take a look at some of the questions that, jo- that uh, was posed to Job by God. See if you can answer those. If you can't answer those, you can still receive instruction. We need to get his instruction. He's going to send it to you. He doesn't just send it direct. Because some people want to get this idea, well, I just I receive instruction from God and no one else. That's wrong. That's, that's not correct. That's not the way that you want to go about doing that. You need, to re- you need to have people that will speak to you. Again, like last week. If everyone can speak to you, you are not wise. If no one can speak to you, you are not wise. There needs to be some place in the middle. You need to receive wise counsel. Proverbs 9 and verse 6. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. It'd be real easy if we always could tell what foolish... How many times have we done something? Oh, that was foolish. Oh, that was foolish. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Some of you folks are going to be sitting down watching football today. And you're going to see some football players do some things that are going to look back on and say, Oh, that was foolish. Why did I do that? However, they don't know that right now. (laughs) He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. In other words, if people are scoffers, if people are wicked, don't even bother correcting them. Don't even bother. Have you ever wondered, should I correct that person? Just, just ask this question. Are they wicked? Are they a scoffer? If they are, what should you do? Shut up. Just observe. Watch the fool walk around and fall into the pit. Because that's what they're going to do. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. It's really easy to tell. If you have correct correction to give, you can tell exactly where a person is by how they respond to wisdom. If they hate you for telling you, they are a scoffer. If they say, I really appreciate you taking the time and Set me down and let me know that was the wrong way to go. That's a wise person. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 10 verse 17. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. It's really easy to walk away from correction. When we're little kids growing up, we get corrected. What do we think? I don't like this. I don't want to be corrected. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you taking away my stuff? Why are you grounding me? Why are you not letting me? Whatever it might be. Mm-mm. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I didn't need to look for another translation on that because that one was just beautiful. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) Now, you all know the difference between stupidity and ignorance. 
Ignorance can be cured. <laughs> Cause you stupid. If you like, if the Bible is calling you stupid, don't be in that place. Proverbs 13 verse 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. Poverty and shame. How many have, how many, does that sound appealing to you? Poverty, shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Will be honored. Now here's the thing. You do not regard a rebuke if to the face of the one who is issuing the correction you say, yes, sir, and behind their back you say, hmm, something different. That is not one who regards a rebuke. Proverbs 15, verse 12, a scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. A scoffer won't go to the wise. They're going to go the other direction. They're going to leave the wise. They don't love the one who corrects them. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture. Scripture will correct you. The Spirit of God can speak to you and correct you and God can send people in the body of Christ around to correct you. God can, can have you be in the right place to hear the right thing from a certain teacher and person on TV, radio, wherever it might be, to get you correction. And maybe you'll hear it. If you do, the Bible calls you wise. I want to turn over to 2 Samuel 16. This is a story that we're familiar with. That's just our introduction to this. We want to take a look at wisdom and godliness. In 2 Samuel 16, verse 15, Meanwhile, this is talking about the revolt of Absalom. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people and the men of Israel, David has already fled by this point, or is fleeing at the time, and all the people and the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. Now, remember, Hushai was David's friend, and when David fled the city, Hushai came along with him. And David said, you know what? If you go with me, you're going to be a burden to me. Because you're old and slow. He didn't say it like that, but that's basically what it was. You're going to slow me down, he says to him. But tell you what, do this. Go on back and you uh, connect with the king. The new king, Absalom. You connect with him. And as he has Ahithophel there for counsel, I need you to counteract it with something else. God will give you wisdom. So he sent him on his way. Now Ahithophel, if you don't remember Ahithophel, we learn from the genealogies. If you ever wonder why genealogies are there, we learn from the genealogies that Ahithophel happens to be the grandfather of someone very famous, Bathsheba. And Ahithophel was a great counselor. Now, here's the thing. We don't know too much about Ahithophel until this encounter. We just know that he was a very wise counselor of David. When David had his 600 men, started out with 400, grew to 600. And out of that came some of the most mighty people. Out of what kind of people? Out of those who were in debt, those who were disgruntled, uh, just also, just the, the low life around there. People had no other place to go. Connected with David, and some of them became great, phenomenally great. What if Ahithophel was a good counselor, but when he was connected to the right people like David, he became a great counselor. 
But sometimes we don't always realize that our associations are what are causing us to be great. And when he saw Absalom come along, he saw an opportunity to get David back for what he had done to his family. And he took time to do it. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be. And with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in your father's presence? So will I be in your presence. Then Absalom said to Hithophel, Give counsel as to what we should do. Now listen to the counsel of Ahithophel. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and always will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. And they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as, as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Despite the bitterness, despite the revenge that he was trying to seek after, the anointing of God was still in his life for this gift. That'll teach you some things. Just because men get off and do some weird stuff doesn't mean that God's anointing just lifts from them. We see many, many times in the Word of God where that's true. Because God's concern is His people. He put that gift in the body to help His people. Now, is the counsel, is this counsel of Ahithophel wise? The answer is yes. Because the Bible just told us that all the counsel of Ahithophel when he was with David and when he's with Absalom was wise. He has given some counsel to Absalom in, in creating this, this, uh, uh, revolt. But he's, as far as we know, there's only two things he tells them in the Word of God that we have recorded. And this is one of them. Is the counsel of Ahithophel wise? The answer is yes. According to the Word of God. Because whatever he said, it was wise. Now here's the second part of this. Is this counsel of Ahithophel moral? No. The purpose of it is more for the purpose of alienating father and son. It is demonstrating to all the people, Absalom is not going back. And if you connect with Absalom, it's not going to be, he's not going to leave you hanging later on. It is, did more for alienating the father and son than establishing Absalom as a ruler. Now I put this in your outline, get this thing down. There was worldly wisdom that is sufficient to get the job done, but is lacking in morals. We see this tremendously during times of political elections. There are things that people do that is wise in that it gets them elected, but it is not moral and it is not right. There are some people who run for office not because of what they believe or what they say they will get done. They simply sling mud at the other person. And if they get the other person dirtier in appearance than they are, then perhaps they can be elected. Does it work? Unfortunately, it does. It works all too often. So is it wise? Well, it's wise to get it done, but is it moral? No. Not all things that are wise are moral, but the wisdom of God will always be not only good enough to get the job done, but will also be moral. We are in school. We are in classes. People are subject to things of situational ethics. 
what would you do if you were in this situation? And they try to create a situation in which the only way out is to lie, steal, so forth like that. Mm-hmm. You, you know what that is. How many, how many, just in case, I know not everybody here is a Trekkie, how many people watched the first Star Trek movie of the new series that they did with, who's the guy, Christopher Pine? That guy, that, the, the, the new Spock, the new, you know, all that. How many, how many did not see the first movie? Did not. Okay, you all have an assignment. You have to go home and watch the first movie. <laughs> You're going home. You sit down in front of the TV. So I'm just doing what Pastor said. I'm watching the, <laughs> watching the movie here. Throughout the course of the movie, the captain is in the academy. And there's a lot of events they got there to put him in the academy. But there was a test that you had to take in order to get this, uh, to get out of the academy. And the test was designed to cause, to put you in a place where you would fail and people would die. There was no way out of it. No one ever could figure out how to solve this thing. You were stuck in that thing and you did, and, and, the, and Captain Kirk, he went on through it, he failed. And he says, I'm going to beat this thing. He's determined. I'm going to be, I'm going to take it again. Why would you take it again? You already took it once. You only had to take it once. You failed. Everybody fails. No, I'm going to take it again. I'm going to go home and study. I'm going to get this thing ready. And he went on home and he, he got there in the, in the sitting room and all the rest of the people are around. He's in the captain's chair and the, or the Romulans or Klingons or whatever it is. They're all kind of ganging up. I think it's Klingons. They're all coming up. And they're all getting ready to gun at it. And uh, he starts out there and he says, uh, their shields are up. They're firing on us. Oh, are they? Okay, he pulls out an apple and he starts eating an apple. He starts having a conversation with somebody who's next to him. Just chatting with them. How you doing? How's things going? You know, we're in the midst of a problem. People are observing the test. They're not thinking, why is this guy doing this? They are about to die and he's doing nothing. And then finally they say, Captain, their shields are up. Should we, their shields are up. Should we do this? Are there, are their shields really up? Let me check on that again. No, they're not. Apparently, they're down. Yeah. Tell you what. Fire a photon. Just one. We don't need to waste them. Just fire one photon at each, each, each of the ships. Blow them up. And they did that. And all the ships blew up. And all Starfleet Academy, everyone was all in, up in arms. They were mad. Something went wrong. Some, this was not supposed to happen. No one is supposed to win. And so people started taking sides. And pretty soon, he was brought up before the entire group. To be reprimanded. And he said, well, I get to face my accuser. Who's accusing me? And so Spock stands up. He made the test. And so he began to have this battle back and forth about why the test could not be, was designed that everyone would fail. Why is this test of such that everyone will fail? And Spock was trying to say, well, you know, you need to have this, this thing that you're going to be in situations where you, the outcome may not be good and you need to overcome it. And I'll tell you what, if you watch the show, that has a whole lot of bearing into the rest of it. But I'm not going to give you that part of it. Away. Look at this. There is worldly wisdom that is sufficient to get the job done, but is lacking in morals. What God does does not lack in morals. But sometimes what people do, they want to put you in a situation and they want to force you into a behavior that they want you to do. And then once you have fallen into that behavior where you did that before, the test was designed so that everyone would fail. 
sow that. We want to see what you will do in a situation where you cannot overcome. But a person rose up who says, you know what? I don't agree with your premise. I don't think that we will fail. Don't let people put you into a box and say, here is your test. Because God does not work in those kind of boxes. God works in real life. And God has wisdom which will cause you to succeed and not lose your moral character. But the world is constantly going to say, all right, you have no money. You have a family of four. got a wife. Everybody's starving at home. Would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? And your choices are, I would steal the piece of bread. I would let my family die of hunger. Right? That's situational ethics. That's garbage. You ought to stand up and say, I pray and believe God. And God would send the ravens if you had to. And they'd bring me food. <laughs> God would rain bread out of heaven. And it would fall down on my yard. No one else's yard but my yard. I'd go out there and I'd collect it and I'd have food. God would have water come out of a rock. Well, those aren't the choices. <laughs> Either you steal or you die of hunger. There's not the only choices. I have a God who can do all kinds of things. And my God can give me wisdom in that situation as to what to do. What would these situational ethic people have done with the widow woman whose prophet husband died? You have the choice of two things. You can either sell your sons and pay the debt or whatever else they come up with. And uh, uh, Elisha had another, another idea. What do you have in your house? I got some oil. All right, here's another choice. That wasn't on the multiple choice test, test, was it? No. God is not going to put you in a situation where you will fail. He's going to put you in a situation where you can hear the wisdom of God, yield to it, and bring about great victory. But you've got to listen to Him. You've got to be willing to... Don't listen to these world people, worldly people that are trying to put you into situations and force you into compromise. God does not have to compromise. God is all-powerful. God's wisdom, well, let me put it this way. Worldly wisdom is focused on how you look and succeed here. That's what worldly wisdom is doing. It's looking at how you look and how you succeed here. God's wisdom is focused on how you look and succeed in what is eternal first and then in what is temporary. This world is temporary. His first and foremost concern is what is eternal. Secondly, is what is temporary. God wants you to succeed in both. Moreover, chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all the people to you, when all return except the man who you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Is what Absalom saying wise? It surely is. If Absalom follows this, he will succeed. What is the purpose of Hushai going? To help turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. It doesn't mean that Ahithophel's counsel will be foolish, it will be seen as foolish. Turn it into it. So we got confusing counsel. First off, Ahithophel is first, 
Hushai is, comes up next. Then Absalom said, now call Hushai the archite and let us hear what he says too. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai said to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. Now he's got to think quick on his feet. He's just heard this. And down in his spirit, God is going to speak something to him to make that counsel, that wise counsel, seem foolish. The problem with a lot of people is wise counsel has seemed foolish to them. For, said Hushai, you know your father and his men, that they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like a bear, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field, and your father is a man of war and will not camp with his people. Now he's speaking things to people who have fought alongside David. And so when he says stuff like this, you know your father and his men that they are mighty men. People around them are saying, oh yeah, they are. <laughs> they are they are some mighty men. And some of the guys he's got with him, whew, they are mighty men. And they are enraged. Oh yeah, if I was them, I'd be mad right now. They're, they are mad. And he uses this, a, a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Your father is a man of war and he will not camp with the people. So you're going to have all the people over here. He's going to be someplace else. Yeah, that's probably the way he's going to do it. So they're all they're hearing this and they're agreeing. This is probably how it's going to be. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place and it will be with some of them are overthrown in the first that whoever hears it will say there is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. So that some of the David's men, you've, you, you've read the stories of the 30. You, you've read the stories of these guys. These are, these are people that can just wipe out mass numbers of people Warriors, not just people, warriors, defeat them. And so they're going to hear, well, a few people have been slaughtered, and they're going to hear, Absalom forces are just being routed. That's what they're going to hear. And once they hear that, well, you know, then uh, your support here at home is not going to go, they're going to go right, right back to David. There is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom, and even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and those who are with him are valiant men. All of them know it. They've sang songs about the, the, the valor of David. They know what this guy's like. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is in the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. Now, Hushai just came from there. He knows what Ahithophel is saying is probably right. David is tired. All his men are tired. They're going to try and get in some spot. They are at their most vulnerable time right now. So what Hushai is saying is we need to buy them some time. How can I buy them some time? He's appealing to another side of Absalom. Tell you what, go and get all Israel. From Dan to Bershit, get them all. Get them all here and you lead them. You be the guy who goes in front. How long is it going to take to get everybody from Dan to Beersheba? It's going to take some time. It's going to give David some time to get things ready, get themselves rested up, get themselves ready for a fight. So we will come upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. These are great words, right? That give you a picture. We will fall on him like the dew falls on the ground. And on him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he has withdrawn into a city... Then all Israel shall bring rope to that city and we will pull it into the river <laughs> until there is no one small stone found there. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. For the Lord had pers- 
pur- had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel. What's the word of God saying about Ahithophel's advice? It's good. It's good. To the intent that the Lord might bring disaster <laughs> on Absalom. So he says, we're gonna, he's gonna have good counsel, but we're gonna send something in there and it's gonna just cloud him, cloud his, his mind. Because Absalom is not one who values wisdom. Therefore, he doesn't value it, doesn't honor it, he can't recognize it. And so wisdom comes to him, but then another counsel comes that is foolish. But he doesn't recognize it as foolish. He sees it as wise and declares it to be wiser than the wise counsel. Which means Absalom is a, he's a fool. It is easy to, uh, to outfox a fool. It is, because they're foolish. And they go after little stuff. They go, I said, what's that movie that has the, the, the thing that's always, always being distracted? Just, uh, squirrel. 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 <laughs> what is it called? Uh, is that the name? The, I haven't seen the movie. I saw the commercial. The commercial is great. Squirrel. <laughs> He's off looking around. You know, they're, they're foolish. They're easily distracted. And you can't keep their focus on anything. And, and that's what Absalom is. Absalom, get his focus on himself. He'll take his focus off the, the whole picture. You go and lead them. Get all Israel behind you. And then you come down and you defeat them. And you, and it's all about him. And then if they're in a the city, we're going to drag that city into the river. We're going to drag it into the ocean. We're just going to, we're going to put ropes. That's not right. We don't put ropes on a city and drag it anywhere. It doesn't happen. They don't make ropes strong enough for one thing. Uh, I put this in your outline. I hope you can get a hold of this thing. What causes us to listen to counsel that proves itself to be foolish? In order to get to this, we need a little bit of help from some of our kids that are here today. I'm going to give you three superheroes. These three superheroes share some things in, 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 in common. Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Now, if you look at them, they all have masks, right? Except Superman. Superman, but he wears glasses in the daytime. And so nobody can tell who he is. Really not sure how that works. But anyway, he's, he, he does that. But there is something that is present with Superman and with Batman that is not present with Spider-Man. Anybody know what it is? A cape. <laughs> the first two have a cape. The other one does not. So every time you, you see Batman, Superman, or you see Spider-Man without a cape, I want you, when you think of cape, I want you to think of this, because there's four things inside here, and you can remember them simply by the word cape. First off, what causes us to listen to the counsel that proves itself to be foolish? What causes us to follow after counsel? There's wise counsel, there's foolish counsel. What is it that causes us to go after the foolish counsel instead of the wise counsel. Nope. First thing is the cost. Wise counsel generally costs you something a little bit more than foolish counsel does. It costs you something. And we don't always want to pay the cost. And if I don't want to pay the cost that's involved in following after the wise counsel, what do we do? Go after the foolish counsel. Wise counsel may say, take some time, pursue this, get yourself trained, and then go after. But foolish, foolish says, I just go after it today. This way you can get paid. There's a cost that's involved. Wise counsel has a cost. 
And you need to be willing to pay it. Here's the second one. Appeal. Appeal. Foolish counsel appeals to my flesh man. Wise counsel appeals to my spirit man. Which one is bigger in you? If the flesh man is bigger, then he's going to rise up and say, oh, I like that one. There's more of an appeal. We've uh, talked about diets before, but if you're on a diet, if you're on a diet to lose weight, if you're on a diet to gain weight, if you're on a diet to get rid of certain foods, if you're, whatever the diet might be, you all know that there is an appeal to the food that is not on your diet. There is not so much appeal to the food that is on your diet. But the food that is not on your diet, how many of y'all know, great appeal. We, we feel that. The more that you are tied into your flesh, the greater that appeal is. The more that you tie into the spirit person, what you want to become, the less that appeal has. It's all about the appeal. Which part do you want? How many of you ever uh, picked up a workout program? Come on, you're watching those infomercials. And they show you what you can look like if you just do this for 30 days. Oh, man, I can look like that if I just do that for 30 days. Oh, man, I'm buying this one. We order that sucker. We get it on in there. We try that one time. And we find out it is not as appealing. I'm sore. It hurts. I don't like this. <laughs> but it, it had great appeal before because we just we, we watched it. And those people were not working that hard. <laughs> they looked like they were having fun. They were enjoying themselves. That's a piece of cake. Look at that. Just Or, you know, that, that, that other one, you know, you can get rid of the flab in your gut by putting that little belt on you. <laughs> oh, I, I can put that belt on. <laughs> All I got to do, I can sit and eat pizza and lose weight. <laughs> right? I mean, there can't be anything better than that. Or just get this little stuff sprinkled on your food and magically the food will not adhere to your body. Yes. Mm. There's, there's an appeal there. But which is, is, it, is it appealing to wisdom or is it appealing to foolishness? Is it appealing to spirit or is it appealing to flesh? Cost? Appeal. Here's the third one. Pressure. People around us tend to pressure us in to do things. How many of you in your high school, college, did something you knew was not smart? But because of pressure, because of people that were around you, you went ahead and did it. You went in that direction. You gave in to the pressure. Pressure sometimes can get us to follow after foolish counsel instead of wise. Cost, appeal, pressure. Here's the last one. Effort. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but anything that is generally wise takes a whole lot more effort than things that are foolish. Think of it this way. Have you ever in, uh, picked up a project around the house and you got some counsel on an easy way to do it? How'd that work out? How many of you like plumbing? No, I didn't see any hands. But if you look in the hardware stores, you know they got this. Instead of pulling out the torch and getting the solder and all that sort of stuff, all you could just use this glue. So you put that glue on, seal it all back up, and after a while, it leaks. Surprise. Effort. 
is a big factor for us to go after foolishness because it will take me less effort to do that. Less effort is good, right? I like less effort. Not to work as hard. How many of you would rather be on a diet, lose weight, sitting around, watching TV, watching people play football or watching movies or cooking shows or whatever it might be? How much it's a better way to do it? We don't want to go out there and walk and run and lift and dance and whatever else they they do out there to, to get yourself active and to get yourself doing some things. Cost, appeal, pressure, effort. These are things that will push you in the direction of foolishness for not willing to pay the cost, if you go after the wrong appeal, if you give in to the pressure, or you want to skimp on the effort, then you will generally go after the wrong direction. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15, where we left off. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this, this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimez stayed in, in Rogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So all, So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Barharam, who had a well in his court, and they went down into it. Then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground in it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimez and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. When they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan. By morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to his city, put his household in order and hanged himself and died. He was buried in his father's tomb. The reason he did that is because wisdom can see the end at the beginning. When he saw that his counsel was not followed, that Absalom went after what was foolishness instead of what was wise, he saw the hand of God was not with his side, which he thought up until this time. And he decided, I'm just going to go out and kill myself. This is not going to work. This is not going to stay. Absalom is doomed. He realizes he got on the wrong side. Wisdom knows the end at the beginning. Ahithophel did not stop being wise. The counsel that he gave was wise. I wrote this here at the end for you. This is something you need to know. I have need of correction. You have need of correction. I have need of... We have need of correction. If we are not corrected, we are going to go in a bad direction. That's all there is to it. Have you ever been in your car on a straightaway? What does your car need? It needs correction. If you drive and if you let go of the steering wheel, which direction are you going to go? Off the, eventually, off the road. You'll go out there straight for a little while, but it needs some correction. If the road's kind of curvy, you need a little more. 
But, um, you know, as long as it's straight, it just needs a little bit of correction here and there. As long as you keep yourself on the, the right way, just a little bit here, a little bit there. You, you're never just letting the steering wheel go whichever every way it wants to. You're always turning it a little bit, a little bit. I have need of correction. How I respond to it will determine my future. How you respond to the correction that comes to you will determine your future. Correction from parents, correction from teachers, correction from people in the body of Christ, people wiser than you. How you respond to correction will determine your future, no matter what age. Ahithophel was older. How he responded to the correction of God determined his future. You know that God sent him correction? Ah, Ahithophel, you're going in the wrong direction. Going in the way of bitterness. Don't be bitter. Don't be making this, this plot. And Ahithophel ignored it. He didn't go after it. It will determine your future. Absalom made a decision. I think the counsel of Ahithophel is better than the counsel, or I think the counsel of Hushai is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. Did that determine his future? Would we be looking at King Absalom if he had gone the other direction? How I respond to correction will determine my future. We need to understand it's that big of a deal. Even if it doesn't seem like a whole lot of it at the time, it has an impact on your future. Some decisions have more impact than others. Listen to correction. Correction from the Word. Correction from people in the body of Christ who point you in the direction of the Word. Correction from the Holy Spirit who says, get out of this, move in this direction. Listen to the correction. Recognize what is wise and what is not. Bring out that cape. And look at it. What, is it. what is the cost? What is the appeal? Where is the pressure? What are these things going on? How much effort is it going to take? Wisdom is hugely valuable. And the people who determine the value of wisdom early in life will go far. You will be richer than anyone else. Who doesn't? You will be in a better place, more stable, Life will be better. But if you close yourself off and you say, no, I won't receive from anyone. No, I'm not, if I don't see it, I'm not going to do it. You're, you're not going to get there. You need to listen. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to recognize wise counsel. That we see the value of wisdom and we pursue it. With everything that we can, we want to go out there and we want to get Wisdom. We want to bring that in. Father God, we just, we want to grow. We want to grow in the right direction with you. Decisions that we make that are against the counsel of God, that are against the wisdom of God, will have a very negative effect on our life. As we look to the Word of God here in the coming weeks, thank you for the help that you give us to be able to discern right and wrong counsel, wise and foolish. Counsel that will help us and counsel that will hurt us. Actions that will benefit us and actions that will not. Wisdom is at the heart of it all. We thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. We want to give a, give a moment for our praise reports. 
If you uh, have your praise report ready, didn't turn them in, I'd like to hear from you while you're getting those ready. Melissa and Nikolai didn't make it in here today. They were kind of on the fence last night where they'd be able to, but uh, it's nice to see them on, on in here. And we uh, appreciate the, the time we get to... I don't think that's another one. That was just another. I was just holding it up <laughs> to, to, to show that's a prayer request. Anybody else getting one? Is anybody else getting one ready? All right, let's go ahead and read these ones. Hear what it is that the Lord is doing. With her court, she said the court ruled in her favor and told her landlord that he, she can't be evicted, so she's able to stay in her home now. Amen. Um, Susan said, "Trying to get to pick you up." Susan says she didn't feel well all week, but since the ladies' meeting yesterday, she's been feeling fine and able to eat, able to eat. Amen. Okay, also another one from Susan. She said that she was able to share with the cashier at Wendy's yesterday and invited her to church. So opportunities for ministry there. Daryl said God has blessed him with a new job. He starts this week, and it provides for all the needs that they have. Glory to God. This one is from um, my mother-in-law. She said God found her a car. It was waiting on the dealer's lot for a month and a half. <laughs> they could not understand why it was still there and when it hadn't sold. It was the car that God had set aside for her, even for the color she asked for. God is in every detail of our lives. And that's the truth. <laughs> and that's all we have. Amen. And the others? You know what? We we need to be looking for all the little things that are going on in our lives Mm -hmm. because I think we should be having, like, Holy Ghost hundreds of these things going out because God's doing, God's working. And, um, you know, we need to be acknowledging that even just the little things, if you have an opportunity to speak to somebody, recognize that that's the Holy Ghost giving an opportunity, you know, and and we want to praise God for all those little things. I was listening to um, somebody this week talking about praise. I think it was John Osteen, actually. Um, and he was talking about praise and how when we give God praise and we, ver- we verbally give God praise for something, that that opens up an avenue for more blessing to come in your life. If you just keep it to yourself, it doesn't do anything. But the second you open it up and you say what it was that God did, that just gives God an opportunity to sow more blessing back into you. Amen. So think about that. 